Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into yet another edition of Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined as always by my partners in crime, Bill Christie at Larry's Locks Two on Gambling Twitter and Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers to find all of his picks. We are into the middle of February, trudging along through the dog days of winter. NBA All-Star break is about to end. We'll have more uh, games to break down on the hardwood next week. Uh, but of course, over the next five, six, seven weeks, college basketball has center stage. So we'll be talking some college hoops, and we're going to be taking some mailbag questions, adding a little new segment at the end of the podcast as well. Guys, Bill, Matt, how are we doing? Doing good. Excited for tonight. Another good slate coming up on a Wednesday night. We're looking forward to it. Can't complain, Greg. You know, I had a huge day on Monday, gave a little back yesterday, but honestly, I kind of prefer that. You know, because two big winning days to start off the week, that's a recipe for disaster. You know, two step forward, one step back. That's the, that's the way I like to go. You know, um, just generally speaking, and we'll get to some questions at the end, but when you think about, like, your, your, your emotions uh, during this, because obviously we talk so much about managing your emotions and being able to kind of harness everything and not get too out of control. When you're winning a lot, 
or are you more inclined to be that type of person that is waiting for the losing day? Is it easier to think that way when you're winning or when you're losing a lot? Is it easier to think, oh, the winning day is coming? Like, how do you guys look at that? Me personally, uh, I look at it as if I'm winning that I'm, I want to, you know, not increase my volume so much, but I mean, I'm just going to keep plugging away until I finally hit that losing streak. Cause Again, I mean, I think we're all in the same kind of boat with how we use our systems. We know that they're going to, over time, be profitable. So if we're winning, we want to take advantage of it. If we're losing, we might scale back a little bit, and then eventually we hit that good win streak again and then pile back up again. But, yeah, I don't go into it with winning games and thinking, oh, man, worst-case scenario, here it comes. I'm going to take a bad loss. No, we all have those days. We all sure. have those games. But So you're going to look to increase your volume when you're winning and decrease when you're losing. <clears throat> yeah, most likely. That makes sense. Um, I'm actually the, almost the exact opposite, right? Um, let me explain something to you guys and everyone out there who's listening. If you bat 30% in the MLB for your career, you know, with assorted other stats, assuming if you're bad. As long as you don't know the pitch that's coming. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. You know, I think we can all agree you're probably going to have a great chance at ending up in the Hall of Fame, right? So sports betting – you know, if you're going 58%, that's 59%, you know, somewhere in 58%, that is Hall of Fame, right? 55, Absolutely. 56%, yeah. you're turning a profit. 58, 59, that's Hall of Fame. So I'm no moron, and I'm not stupid, and I know a regression back to the mean is just inevitable. So I can't ever increase my units when I'm winning as much as I would like to. Because that's usually when, you know, if you have a 12-2 and two day and then you go 9-4, and four, well, how long are you going to sustain that winning rate? Now, sure, you want to think that you're going to win at that rate every day, but we just know it's, it's, it's not possible. You know, and if it was, then you would be the most famous guy on the planet. So no one does it. No one has ever done it. So I always, you know, not to look at it in a negative way, but I just view it as a regression back to the mean. And... I think that Yeah, but Matt, I'm saying, like, in both ways then, too, right? Like, when you're losing a lot, do you look at it as, well, I'm going to heat up again? Oh, 100%, because, again, it's a regression back to the mean the other way. It's really, let me tell you, this is a huge misconception as well. It's just as hard to go 0-12 as it is to go 12-0. and 0. Like, it's totally. really just as hard. Yep. At the end of the day, when you're betting these spreads, of course you put research into it or not, but if it's minus 5.5, you either cover the five and a half or you don't. Like it's a fifty percent chance at the cover sure. rate. Of course, the money line is a different percentile, and that's why the pricing is is as it is. But the spread is a fifty fifty chance. So, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, I, I I understand that we see quote unquote mush betters or bad betters, but at the end <laughs> of the day, it really is just as hard to lose as it is to win at the same time. It's just it's just easier to lose because you you can lose the juice. So winning, you just need to win at a higher percentage, like fifty yep. percent to beat the juice. That's the only reason why it makes winning hard. Otherwise, if it was if if every line was offering plus a hundred. And even yeah, money, you'd have you know, to go fifty-one percent. Exactly. Like then, then a lot more people would win. People don't understand that that they're probably really better betters than they do. They just lose on the juice or the parlays you know, or the teasers. This is something that we talked about where you know some people don't understand that going one and zero is better than going two and one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yep. And it's just a huge, you know, it's. I wouldn't say misconception because obviously when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense. You know, two and two and one is plus 
0.9 units, assuming minus 110 juice, and one of those obviously plus one unit. But at the end of the day, you know, oh, you got two wins, you know, so it just it right. it might it might feel a little better. But realistically, 100% is better than 66% any day of the week. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we will get into more of just our kind of general uh, gambling philosophies a little bit later on. Matt had a good idea, uh, as we are light, obviously, in February on games to bet on. Uh, we're going to take some – we got some mailbag questions sent to Matt, and we'll address those in the second half of the pod. But still, plenty of college basketball to discuss, and I'm going to get into our first pick. Uh, and I want to go – actually, in the, I'm going to stay in the state that I work in for my first pick, and I'm going to go down to Williams Arena for the Minnesota Golden Gophers against the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Minnesota is a hefty favorite by Gopher standards. They're 500 on the year at 12 and 12, but they're five and a half point chalk against Indiana. Uh, and I actually am going to lay the points here and back the Gophers, not only for the full game, but I like them in the first half minus three as well. And this was one of those lines where it just struck me as, holy crap, the Gophers are laying five and a half points because they've lost four out of five games, and some of those games haven't even been that close. And Indiana is seven games better in the – I'm sorry, three games better in the loss column, uh, 16-9 and nine versus 12-12. and 12. Uh, However, the conference records are identical, and on the road, we've talked a lot on this podcast throughout the college basketball season about Big Ten home teams – well, Indiana is 1-6 in six against the number in road games this year. Uh, so add it all up, as I said, uh, weird kind of number uh, with Minnesota not playing well yet favored by this much. Uh, You're on full it, game, Greg? I'm on full game and first half, Minnesota. Minus three, first half, minus five in the hook, full game. Yeah, I'm Greg, with- I'm going to – you got it, Larry. Sorry, yeah, I- I'm with you, Greg. Uh, I'm just, I was looking at it real quick when you mentioned – uh, you were going to jump on this play, uh, and you'd mentioned that Indiana, their struggle is away. Um, they're 0-5 as a dog, uh, road dog. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I like that position for Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota being 8-3 and as a home favorite, too. And the first half play you mentioned, I really like. Um, I see Indiana, their differential in the first half is, like, minus 3.3 as opposed to, like, plus, I think it's, like, 10 um, when they're at home, and then Minnesota. Yeah, and still, another thing on the first half, like, I kind of looked at this game as, well, either Indiana's probably going to win it outright because they are the better team, or the Gophers are going to win by double digits. And if they win by double digits, then I'm willing to take my chance that they're up by at least three and a half. Yeah, definitely. Again, I, I'm with you on both of these plays for sure. Um, and if I had to pick either one by the first half or full game, I'd probably lean, I think, first half, I think, coming out of the gate. Being at home, I think they're going to be uh, jumping on Indiana pretty early. Matt, anything? Yeah, I, I like the first half look in this game. I think this is a good game to plan a halves chase. That's something that more that I've been doing, and just to explain a little bit what that is. Obviously, it's going into the game, betting the first half only, right? Because I found that sometimes it doesn't always make sense to bet the the, the the first half and the full game, which is actually why I'm going to ask you, Greg, like if you think Indiana is the better team and they come in and might win the game, then why bet the first half and full game? Because I look at it this way. If I bet first half and I cash, I'm 1-0 and on the game, and I'm done. If I bet the first half and they're down, 
you know, now at halftime, I can evaluate, wow, Indiana maybe is the better, you know, better team they came to play. I don't need to play the second half. Or I can play the second half and essentially get the full game line at a better line. So it's just something I've been doing in college basketball because I tend to notice that obviously, I mean, and I'm sure everyone has noticed, college basketball is not nearly like NBA where the halves in college basketball can be tremendously different, you know. The NBA, there's four quarters, and they're so good, they can go on a game-winning run at any point in the t- in, in the game. It's just it's just a very different game of basketball. Um, so, personally, I like Minnesota yeah. on the I mean, on the first half here. Indiana's gotten blown out on the road when they played Ohio State, blown out on the road when they played Michigan, blown out on the road. These are all in the first half when they played Maryland. I mean, the only game where they, where they covered, you know, in the past – Two months on the road was, you know, they won by five in the first half against Nebraska. So I will say that the the, the Nebraska team is obviously a little more comparable to Minnesota than the other teams are. Uh, but still, I think we can all agree that Nebraska is definitely way worse than Minnesota. Yeah, and Matt, like to answer your question about why only bet the why not bet just the first half because it is one of those games, like I said, where. The number just feels a little sketchy, and more often than not, those are the times I like to hop on the favorites because mm-hmm. I do think this is the spot where Minnesota just run. You mentioned all those games on the road that Indiana got blown out in, and while Minnesota is not Michigan State, granted Michigan State not having the year everyone thought they would, uh, Michigan, uh, you know, I, I think in a weird way, despite Michigan starting well, Michigan has obviously regressed big time, and so I think that, you know, is similar in terms of a comparable game here. I just like the Gophers to come out at home, and I figure type of thing where, well, given now we're into middle of February, if Indiana has had the road struggles, it's not the type of team that I expect to pick itself back up at halftime. I think it probably starts to play with the guys' heads a little bit, uh, and if they are behind by, say, six or seven points, I think that balloons into double digits and the Gophers take care of business. Yeah, I agree, Greg. And what, to kind of go against what you're saying, Matt, um, you know, you, Greg's going to get this line at five and a half, right, for the full game. I bet it's say, five and a half full game, yeah. Right, so say Minnesota comes out and they're up by ten and a half. You're not going to get that line in the second half. Like, look at Florida last night, right? Florida yeah, but my answer, my days. answer is I'm I'm one and zero and I'm done with the game and I moved on and I, I'm already one and zero. So that's a good right. problem to have. But right. I, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I, he's I, double dipping. That's all. So yeah, yeah I, I'm double dipping. I think it's that kind of game. But let's keep things moving. Uh, Bill, you have a pick that you want to get to. Uh, we're going to stay in the Big Ten, right? Yes, absolutely. We're staying in the Big Ten. Two schools that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, again, like I said, I mentioned in the previous podcast, I'm a Rutgers alum, but I am a big Michigan fan. So we're going to go uh, watch Juwan Howard take his Wolverines into the rack at 7 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Um, Rutgers carrying 8-4-1 well, mark. That you working for him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I know people like to figure out what time the game is, what channel it's on. They appreciate it. So we're going to be putting that out there uh, going forward on our Twitter. Um, but like I said, Rutgers eight and four and one mark at home favorites. Uh, they're also ten five and one after a win, and five and one with a rest advantage. I mean, that's all all good trends for Rutgers. And Michigan is wearing the goose egg on the road. They're zero and five against the spread. Um, again, we mentioned in the previous podcast these two teams have met a couple weeks ago up in Michigan, um, and in that meeting, Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker. You're not going to believe this. I I didn't realize it until I looked back at the game. They combined for two for 19, a total of six points, and they only lost by six. Conversely, Brandon Jones Jr., who's really not anybody for Michigan, he averages 6.7 a game. He had 20 in that game. 
I think we're going to see the exact opposite at the rack. The crowd's going to be into it. you got a blue blood type of program coming in the Rutgers. Rutgers needs to make another statement because they can't win on the road. They need as many big wins at home as they can get. for Rutgers. And I think, to be honest, I think Rutgers blows them out of the gym. The line's only, I think it's up to two and a half now. Um, Isaiah Livers has been noted as a game-time decision. I don't think he's going to play, but I'm going to keep my ear to the ground on it. Um, But either way, I I really think Rutgers just blows them out, and we see an opposite game from what we saw in Michigan. Um, I like Rutgers, and I like Rutgers big in this one. Wow, big is is bold, (laughs) but at the same time, as I kind of mentioned there in discussing Michigan, there uh, the Wolverines uh, really, let's just say, in the 2020 part of the season have been a little bit of a different team. Uh, and, you know, perhaps uh, Jawan Howard is uh, starting to uh, expose himself a little bit more as a coach the last couple of weeks in particular. Uh, you mentioned Isaiah Livers. That's obviously, uh, gosh, I mean, I don't – I, I won't lie, like, I don't have power ratings on every team in the country, but, Phil, like, would you agree, like, as far as, like, players and their value to a team, like, Livers has to be in the top uh, ten, right? Uh, oh, 100%. Absolutely. They go as he goes, for sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, and, and also, like, you mentioned this game is in Piscataway. Uh, I think, just in general, Rutgers at home the last couple weeks here might be worth a look, because as it gets closer towards the NCAA tournament. We know that Rutgers is trying to make it for the first time in a while. I don't have the exact number off them. Do you know, Bill? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, no. It's been yeah. a while, though. So, like, you would think that that home court might be a little harder to price when it comes to these lines uh, because of a lot of emotional, uh, you know, factors for where Rutgers is at with its program. So, um, definitely the side I would look, but I pass the game. 1991. That was last year. <clears throat> wow. Almost 30 uh, years. Were you guys alive then? <laughs> I was not, no. I was barely a thought. Well, if Greg <laughs> was not, then I was not. I won't mention that anything I was on this game, Michigan Yeah. Rutgers. Oh, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a full, full consensus here. I have Rutgers first half and full game here. I think they blow them out the gym. I think they start hot and they don't really look back, um, especially uh, if, if the dude Livers is not playing. But to be honest, I don't care whether he plays or not. Um, Rutgers comes to play here. They need a win. They need to win big. They're at home. They play different at home. Michigan, uh, poor on the road. Michigan got the best of them at home uh, when they played about a month ago or whatnot. I was all over Michigan first half and full game then. That was when Rutgers came in off a nice winning streak. They were a ranked team at that point. I believe Michigan was unranked. Uh, and they led the entire way, never really looked back. I expect this to be the exact same thing, just Rutgers' side and in Rutgers' gym. Matt, what's up first for you? Where are you taking us? I'm actually taking us to the earliest game on the slate. I know everyone loves that, the 6.30 start. I mean, is there anything better than just getting in that first play on the 6.30? Like, like how many times do you guys bet this game just because it's 30 minutes beforehand? I'm going to start with that. Uh, absolutely. Every, every day? Yeah, that has been a factor of consideration for me, I won't lie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be for everyone, and if you say it's not, you're really just lying to yourself. Um, but I'm on Butler here. The Big East has just – I'm actually – I'm on Butler. I don't even want the points because I think this game goes one of two ways. I think Seton Hall comes, shows up big, and wins big, or I think it's a close the entire way, and Butler squeaks out the win. 
Um, the Big East has been up and down all year. We saw, just like in the Big Ten, home teams dominate to start the conference play. And then slightly, as we spoke about earlier in the podcast, just about sports betting, slight regression back to the mean um, with domination for, for for the home teams declining and road teams pulling off upsets. I remember there was about a Saturday where I think three road dogs of a year, six, seven, eight points, they all won outright in the Big East. Um, both of these teams are desperate for a win, uh, ranked 16 and 21, you know, about to fall to the rankings. They're both two and three straight up in their last five. Butler's actually... 0-4-1, oh, you know, against the spread in their last five. They, they pushed, or I guess won, depending on what you had the line at, against Nova. Nonetheless, um, I just think that this is a game where on the road, Butler Butler really comes to play and comes to play hard, and it would just be a staple road win. And Cena Hall got the best of them a month ago in their own gym. By eight points, Butler was up by ten and a half, and Cena Hall mm-hmm. won the second half by eighteen points. I don't know if you remember that game, guys, or if you guys were on it, but yep. I think that's gonna that's gonna sit in Butler's head. They're gonna come in, and sometimes there's just teams that you know, as much as home plays an advantage, as we talk about, there's sometimes where just teams or matchups just steal both games on the road. I think this is one of them here. I think Cena Hall. I mean, uh, obviously, I know Cena Hall got the got the road one earlier, and I think Butler's gonna do it today here. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, Matt. I, I'm not playing this game, but I do like the other side a little bit, and I considered Seton Hall. The Pirates are off back-to-back losses, and I'm a firm believer that the Pirates are still the best team in the Big East. Uh, and it's, this is going to sound square, but I Better just don't. Villanova? Whoa, I, yeah. I do believe that they, they won at Villanova. And I'm a firm believer that, listen, I mean, Villanova this year, I watched their full game against my alma mater, Temple. Colin Gillespie was kind of pouring it in. I I think that from top to bottom, Seton Hall is a better offensive team than Villanova. And what, you guys like the Wildcats the best, even though Seton Hall has that road win? Yeah, Um, I do. Uh, I think I think Villanova's the best team, but I also think the Big East teams are irrelevant. They're regular season teams. None of them are doing damage in the in the in March Madness. I I don't know about that. The Big East oh. is the second best conference in America. Yeah, we won't see a Big East team in in the in the Elite Eight. That's for sure. Really, I'll take that action. We won't see a Big East team in the Elite <laughs> Eight. I'll take a bet on that. I don't see an I don't see a Big East team in the Final Four, and I don't see a Big East team in the Elite Eight. And if there is, the singular one would be Villanova, simply because of the coaching and tournament experience of that team. Otherwise, no other team will make it to the Elite Eight. There's no tournament experience, so they're all young. Yeah, yeah exactly. just the program, the program, Jay Wright. That, that's put a ton of guys in the NBA the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, but our- it's the program. It's it's a program. They, they, there's they're a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> I think John, getting back to this game. I'd be concerned if this game were high scoring because Butler averages in the upper 60s, uh, and they are actually 223 in the nation in points per game at 68.7. That does not compare well to Seton Hall's uh, 75 points a game. That puts Seton Hall at 69th in the country, which isn't elite by any stretch, but I mentioned that road win for Seton Hall at Villanova. They scored 70 there. Seton Hall recently has been in the 70s. They touched 82 against Creighton. So if Seton Hall is able to make this game a track meet, I think this could be one of those games where the side and total are correlated. Uh, George uh, Georgetown just went into Butler and won by seven points. We were talking about Georgetown before we hopped on about a team that's kind of suspect. Uh, I was on Marquette against Butler a couple weeks ago, or uh, like 10 days ago. Marquette blew him out. 
Butler is not coming in the kind of form that makes me think they're going to go into East Orange and beat Seton Hall. I know Seton Hall has lost those back-to-back games, but like I said, I do think the Pirates are the best team in the Big East. I think the Pirates win and cover. I'm going to go with Matt on this one simply because uh, I'm going to look at reverse line movement. Uh, and we're going to get to that a little bit in our mailbag questions. But looking at that game, you know, the line opened at six and a half. We've seen it jumped all the way down to four and a half. There's no injuries. There's no indication of why it should be dropping. Public's on Seton Hall by about 60%. Uh, it looks fishy to me. It looks really sneaky. So I'm probably going to be going with Butler. Um, I don't know if I'll take the first half or not, but – I'm probably going to be playing Butler full game. I don't think I'm going to play the money line. I think I'm going to take that four and a half points if it drops to three and a half. Um, I won't be touching the money line, but I like Butler getting the points here. The I'm road. glad you mentioned the reverse line movement because it, well, I do like the Seton Hall side, but I went to bed last night and the line was six. I didn't bet it. And as I said, I was kind of liking Seton Hall. Then I woke up today and I saw the number creeping down, and as you said, the reverse line movement. So that in and of itself is normally enough for me to pass the game, but um, yeah. you know, we'll get more into reverse line movement a little bit later. Just to touch on what Greg, what you said, Greg, real quick, just to get before we get the next pick. I, you know, I, I really don't hate what you said, because like, like I said, I think Butler wins this game outright, or I do think Seen Hall wins and covers. I, I think if it's a close game down the stretch, I think Butler's going to come out and pull out this, this gutsy road win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seen Hall from the jump, uh, you know, came to play needing a big road win and, and, sure. and them as well. That's why, you know, obviously, you know, I play majority first halves. Didn't play Butler first half. Didn't play them with the points. Strictly a one-unit flyer on the money line. I might add in a, a one-unit on the plus five. You know, granted, if they do lose that close game, I think I just think this can be a close game the whole way through. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seen Hall is up seven or eight at half and Butler digs back in in the second half. I'm going to keep things moving and go to one of the uh, richer states in tradition in the country when it comes to college basketball, and that's North Carolina. And I am going to play the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Full game plus the six and a half. Bill mentioned reverse line movement. Uh, I'm kicking myself because I went to bed on seven and a half here with NC State catching, and it's down to six and a half. I will still play the Wolfpack here at home against Duke. I think this is uh, this is a good February handicap that I like to use. This is circle the wagons. This is last hurrah. This is desperation mode for NC State. They are on the wrong side of the NCAA tournament bubble right now. And when I looked at their regular season schedule, they have this game at home and they have this the next game at home against Florida State in the ACC, which is not as deep of a league this year as we're used to. So I look at the Wolfpack here at Duke. This is a golden opportunity for them to pick up a much-needed resume win. As I said, desperation, last hurrah. It's either this game or at home against Florida State because they're not going to win at Cameron. And then the rest of the games in the ACC don't give them similar opportunities obviously the ACC tournament is a discussion for another day Duke on the road too was another thing I was curious about because we just saw the tobacco road rivalry go right down to even overtime in North Carolina obviously covered the big number pretty easily there should have won the game outright Duke on the road three and four against the spread in conference games on the road this year and the only one of those three covers was a double digit straight up win so I think right there even their two ATS victories, other than that other one, were, were pretty close. I think it was like eight or nine that they won by. So we're getting six and a half here with a desperate NC State team. I know they're not coming in that well. They just lost at Boston College. Uh, but as I said, circle the wagons, desperation at home, uh, in-state rivalry. I like the points with the Wolfpack. 
I'm with you, Greg, for sure. Again, you mentioned the reverse line movement. Uh, same thing uh, with the bed last night. Took a look at that line. Woke up this morning, saw it had moved. Um, and again, public being on Duke pretty heavy too. I'm seeing like 75% on Duke and almost 80% of the money on Duke. There's definitely some sharp money out there on NC State. Um, and like you had mentioned, they're on the outside looking in. They want to make a big statement win here. Duke, I have a feeling, is going to walk in there thinking NC State's going to hand them the game, and they're just not. So give me the six and a half. I'd, I'd definitely play NC State. Yeah, I'm on NC State actually here. Uh, just a one-unit play for me, first half plus three and a half. Uh, for all the reasons that you guys said or for – Exactly all the reasons why I'm on first half. I think NC State comes out hot here. They need a big win. Um, ultimately, though, you know, Duke is by far the better team, in my opinion. I think Duke does pull out this win. However, I do think that they could pull out the win, and NC State can easily stay in the number. I just prefer to play the first half um, with NC State, you know, coming out hot, needing a big win with the crowd getting going, you know, Duke in the building. But I understand what halftime adjustments, you know, the Duke Blue Devils can be making at half. Uh, nonetheless, Duke can easily win this game by five or six, and NC State covers. But I'm personally on NC State first half plus three and a half, and I actually think that first half money line is not a bad look. I don't. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if NC State I is. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if NC State's up a bucket or two at half, and then we have some of the around, you know, like a like a minus six second half line, and you know, Duke wins the game by three. So look for that when that all happens. Um, I'll go buy a lottery ticket tomorrow. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Matt. Let's keep things moving. Uh, actually, no, we want to go to Bill's next pick. What, what's up next for you? Uh, I'm going to stay in the ACC. We're going to go down to Louisville for the uh, Syracuse-Louisville game. Uh, Syracuse getting 9.5. I like the dog in this one, Syracuse. They're 6-1 and one as a road dog, including 5-0 and oh in their last five road games. 7-3 last five, uh, 10 games overall, and 5-1 and one last six following a covered spread. Um, Louisville, they're middle of the road against the spread team, just 8-7, and seven, so nothing really glaring there to scare me away from taking cues in the points. Um, and Louisville, they were a combined nine for 51 from three, their last two losses last week. So seeing that Syracuse zone come in to stifle them, uh, I could really see that Louisville having a really, really tough time. Um, their two losses were to Georgetown and to Clemson. Uh, Georgetown, they uh, allow opponents three-point percentage just under 30%. Clemson just over 31%. And then Syracuse, same thing. They're about 31% allowing field goal percentage from three. Um, and again, you had mentioned, Greg, the ACC is pretty down this year, right? It's sure. pretty weak. Um, but let's be honest. The committee is going to want a fourth, maybe even a fifth team in the dance because State, of maybe. the – it could be NC State. But I looked at the schedule, and Syracuse being 14-11, this is their toughest matchup uh, going forward. If they can somehow, somehow pull out this huge road win at Louisville – and again, I am not – preaching to take you know, the money line here. I'm definitely taking the points. That year, not too long ago, that we saw Syracuse go on a crazy Final Four run, they were on the bubble that year. And exactly. You, you could see that kind of blue blood bias if we're going to call Syracuse a blue blood, but, but that's that's an interesting look. Yeah, they're only 14-11 now, again, outside looking in, um, with Virginia and NC State ahead of them. But both of those teams have tough schedules going on the stretch. Syracuse, they only have – they're playing – at home against Georgetown, at Pitt, home against UNC, at BC, and at Miami. You're talking about the ninth, 11th, 12th, 13th, and last place teams in the ACC. So if they somehow and miraculously can knock off Louisville, they could possibly run the table and get to 2011, make a push in the conference tournament, and get their name into the big dance. Not saying that's going to happen. Not saying they're going to beat 
Louisville outright in Louisville. But if I'm getting almost double-digit points, give me cues, give me the points, give me that zone defense, give me a ton of missed Louisville threes tonight. Yeah, and, you know, I think, too, in some ways, the ACC being down can be exploited now with some, you know, maybe inflated numbers, which is what you're getting at with Louisville laying this kind of lumber. Uh, granted, the game, as you said, is in Louisville, but um, I, I don't hate the idea that Syracuse looks at this as uh, kind of a last hurrah streak, let's get hot, and, and, and all of a sudden Syracuse heading into the ACC tournament is a team that uh, you know is kind of floating around the bubble when we never really even looked at them as an NCAA team. So I see where you're going there, and I think they could keep the game close. Uh, I just don't really have much else on this game. Matt, well, how about you? Um, Bill, what number did you get it at, you said? Uh, where do I have it at? Let me see. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Did you play first half or no? No, we're not playing first half. Okay. I, I'm, I, you know, because I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of luck for the nine and a half. <laughs> I think you might. But I'm going to tell you that you might want to sit this out and not watch the first half. I think Louisville is going to come in and absolutely run them out the gym in the first half. Let me explain this to you guys. Louisville was a top five ranked team. Obviously, you guys understand, as we all know, two brutal losses to pretty yeah, you know, subpar, bad teams, probably not going to make the tournament, right? Clemson and Georgia Tech, both on the road. Um, that's coming in off of a game where, I mean, they did beat Virginia, but they pushed the spread there. And then the week, the game before that, they lost. So there are, you know, they haven't covered the spread in four straight games. They're coming home. Uh, they've had a couple of days rest. Like you said, this is important for Syracuse. You know, they're one and four straight up in their last five, but this is just as important for Louisville. Louisville was sitting on the cusp of being a number one seed, locked in at number two. You know, here they are. Now they find themselves at number 11. So I think this is just as important for the Syracuse side to get the win as it is for Louisville to have a big statement win. So I personally like Louisville in the first half. I took them minus five. I don't think there's any reason why they can't be up two possessions at the end of the first half, if not three or four. But again, you know, Syracuse is a good team, and if that zone causes some ruckus in the second half, you can easily have a tight game the entire way. So I really don't hate the 9.5. I just like the 5 for the first half for Louisville. I'm going to wrap things up with my last pick, and I want to go to the American Athletic Conference. A conference I, ha- I have another pick, um, Greg, by the way. Sure. Okay, well, I will not cut you short for sure. I'll be quick here with... Tulsa plus 11 against Houston. I just think this is a little disrespect towards the Tulsa team that, you know, Bill mentioned. He's seen me on them a little bit. I uh, like to play these kinds of teams in the American Conference, a league I play close attention to being a Temple alum. Tulsa has only lost four times this year by double digits. So, you know, if you blindly gave them this many points in every game, you'd be doing pretty well in league games this year. And I know the American Conference is not the Big 10, but Tulsa 9 and 3 straight up and against the spread against American Athletic Conference opponents. They already beat Houston this year. Uh they also beat Wichita. Those are the two best teams in the league. Um it looked like for a while Tulsa was third best. Cincinnati has made a nice surge here. First-year coach John Brannon has the Bearcats making a nice run. They look to be an NCAA team. I think if there's a team not in the field right now that could crash the party and either steal a bid 
or play its way onto the at-large pool, it would be Tulsa. They already, as I said, already beat Houston, and now I'm getting 11. Uh, they are doing what they can in the league to pick up wins, and it's not the best league, but I am still getting plenty of points here to take Tulsa on the road, plus 11 against Houston. No pushback for me. Uh, if I had to make a play on that, which I'm not going to, but if I had to make a play, again, kind of like how I was talking about um, the Louisville game, uh, double-digit points, it seems like a lot of points. So if I had to pick any team in that game, I would go Tulsa. It's a small lean. That's it. Matt, I'm going to let you close things out then. We'll just keep things moving. Uh, you, we're going to go back to the ACC with you, uh, and you like Virginia Tech tonight. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm riding Virginia Tech on the first half. Uh, once again, uh, you know, not that you guys follow my plays as closely as your own, but I did cash on them first half very handily uh, against Pitt and very handily against Boston College the past two games. Now, uh, before I even get in, do you guys ever like that, you know, you ride a bet and, and you kind of like to look to play it again? The only reason I say this is because I, I saw Buffalo was five straight games on the under, so I chimed in on riding a Buffalo under a couple games back, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep riding, and here I am now sitting at the eight straight unders for Buffalo, and I was 3-0 and in the past three Buffalo games riding the under. Uh, do you guys ever do that? No, not particularly, no. Yeah, I don't really do that either. Yeah, no, I I, I got you. So, yeah, you know, I just like, you know, sometimes to look at some trends. Virginia Tech at first half has covered the past two at home. Um, my Miami-Florida is pretty bad discrepancy between home and road splits in the first half. They have a minus five margin uh, for the first half on the road. And Virginia Tech has, you know, is the very same discrepancy. Huge. They actually have a 14-point discrepancy home and road. Fortunately for us, they're home. You know, so that's they have a plus 7.3 margin. So, I mean, when you combine those margins, obviously 12 points right there, and you're telling me I, I only have to lay one and a half on the first half for Virginia Tech, so they just pretty much have to be up by – I mean, they have to be up by a bucket. Uh, and, you know, and I have a 12-point discrepancy based on the margin there. I like that. Obviously, something you got to look into with the margins is, are these teams blowing out shitty teams? Are they still covering? So, like I said, you know, I, I've won on Virginia Tech first half the past two games. I'm going to roll the dice again on the third game I have tonight at home against Miami. And this is actually going to be a three-unit max bet for me. I, I really like Virginia Tech here. I, I don't know if they're necessarily on the bubble. Maybe you guys can speak for that. At 15 and 10, I think they're kind of done. However, like Greg said, I mean, they, you know, could they make a run? Sure. I mean, they do play at Duke next game. I'm not going to say that they're going to beat Duke on the road, but if you can beat Duke on the road, that's a pretty big win. And then they play Louisville on the road. Maybe all they need is one of those wins sure. to close out the other games. You know, if they're sitting at – and then obviously we have the ACC tournament where you can make some noise. So I would not yeah, say Virginia also, Tech is done. Virginia Tech has a non-conference win. I watched this game against Michigan State earlier in the year, so – it could get interesting if, if they're another team in the ACC down year, you know, maybe a few things happen in their favor and, and the conversation on them changes. Yeah, I mean, look, their, their blowout loss at Virginia where they lost 65-39 to 39 is really hampering their resume um, with Virginia not being the team that we thought. They've been a very big up-and-down team. Like, you know, they, they lose at home by two to Syracuse, but then they, they blew out NC State at home by 14. 
So, and then they barely beat UNC at home by two. So Virginia Tech has been a very shaky team. Miami got the best of them when they played earlier in the year. Uh, Miami blew them out. They, they were up by 20 at halftime, ended up winning the game by 10. They covered uh, full game first half. They were dog at home. I think Virginia Tech at home it gets some revenge and, and, and stomps Miami out their, out their own gym. Let's wrap things up, Bill. Uh, you have a lean uh, in the Villanova-DePaul game. Yeah, hate to say it as a big Nova fan, but when I'm looking at the number, I'm definitely going to have to lean to Paul. The number out the gate makes no sense. They're only giving five uh, Villanova to a 13 and 12 to Paul team. Um, makes no sense. 85% of public on Villanova, and the lines dropped a half a point. Not significant, but it's still going in the wrong direction of where the public's headed. I'm not going to play it because I hate rooting against Nova, but if I had to make a lean, I would definitely lean to Paul, and I would have no problem with anybody putting money uh, on DePaul. Yeah, and I, I did actually play DePaul here, plus the four and the hook, mainly because I just mentioned I watched Villanova the whole game against Temple on Sunday, and Villanova was down at half in that game and then just started heating up from beyond the arc. Really, other than Colin Gillespie, Villanova did not have much in the way of offense. Now you're going on the road in a league game. Uh, I know DePaul is not one of the Big East elites by any stretch, but we've seen the, um, uh, what are they, the Devils? Are they? What, why am I drawing a blank? What are they called? Demon, uh, demon, demons. Exactly. Right, the Blue Demons. Yeah, Blue Demons. Uh, we've seen them kind of hang their own and uh, show themselves at home in particular a few times this season. So I, I think they're going to keep this game close. I like them plus the four and a half. We're going to take a break and come back, and we're going to wrap up with some mailbag questions here on Full Slate. We're now going to take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. We're going to take the last 10, 15 minutes here and just run through some mailbag questions. Good idea by Matt um, to uh, do this. Obviously, we went college basketball exclusively there with the picks, and it's going to be a lot of college hoops, obviously, this time of year, uh, but especially this week with the NBA still on its all-star break, back out of the break tomorrow. Uh, there just aren't as many games to pick. And there are as many sports to handicap, really. Uh, and so we're going to talk about some of the mailbag questions that we got. Uh, so thanks for submitting your question to Matt at Showtime Cappers. Let's start with uh, this would pose as the best transition because we mentioned reverse line, reverse line movement a few times. Uh, and I'll let you guys go first on this question. Roshan asks Matt, does reverse line movement play a role on your daily picks? Bill, Matt, any thoughts? Uh, for me, it 100% does. Uh, it's probably the second thing that I look at when I'm starting to do handicapping. Um, and in my mind, I always think of it as, look, Vegas is there for a reason, right? Like they know what they're doing. So 
if the public's heavy on one side and you see that line dropping away from that, they know something. If there's no injuries, um, if there's, you know, with outdoor sports, if the weather's not going to play a factor in it, if there's nothing else out there except the fact that the public's a high percentage on them and that number starts to drop down or go up depending on what public's on, I'm, I'm 100% going to be with Vegas. I'd rather be with Vegas than be with Joe Public. Yeah, to go off of that, look, you know, not only to – you know, it's a common misconception, I think, that people think that Vegas, you know, want these lopsided games or want these high-risk, you know, uh, high-liability games. It's really not what they want well, at all. Right. They're- and Matt, I'll jump in and say – I, I completely agree with you because I think if you told most bookmakers you're going to get exactly even action on both sides of the number, well, then they just collect their 10% on the juice, and, and it's an automatic win. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's really their business model. It's very simple. $500 on each side, they win no matter the outcome. $500 on one side and zero on the other, that is huge liability. Now, obviously, you know, granted, it can be $500,000. It can be $500 million, whatever. You understand my point. Even action, you collect the juice, and you don't have to worry about anything. Um, so not only does it mean that Vegas knows something, but what it also means is, is, is there is significant money, respected money coming in on the other side usually that is causing the line to move, right? Even though the public is on the other side to then create more betting action for the public to still take it at the lower right. line to yep. now create more money on the other side. Because most people don't understand. They're like, wow, now I'm getting this better team, and it's only four and a half points. They're not thinking, well, why did it go from six to four? Why was it six and now four? Right. They just yep. think, wow, it's on sale. Well, let me <laughs> tell you something. On sale is great in retail. On sale is not great in sports betting. Remember that, folks. Yeah, and I'll just close this one up by saying I, I agree with a lot of the things you guys said. More often than not, if you find the smart money, that's the side you want to take because, hey, maybe some people do know things that we don't. And Vegas, just, they, don't know, they don't hand out free money, right? Like this idea that, oh, I'm going to get this big public team at a discount, that's way too easy. No, it doesn't work that way. I'll give an example, too. Unfortunately, this one bit me in the rear end. But occasionally – it does need to cash where a fading reverse line movement works out for the public because there's a reason bookies drive Lamborghinis. And I'll go to an NFL game this year. Matt, you and I were both on it. Unfortunately, it did not go our way. Thursday night game in the Mile High City, Denver was receiving an absurd amount of reverse line movement against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the game that Patrick Mahomes got hurt in. Uh, Denver opened, I think, as like a six-point dog, and it moved at least a field goal down to three. They may have opened greater than six, but there was a ton of reverse line movement in that game. Obviously, public strong support for Kansas City, and Kansas City ended up blowing them out. So, hey, those are the kinds of spots occasionally where they have to hit, because as you said, uh, Bill, the Joe Publix every now and again have to cash, uh, but it absolutely makes me consider uh, either passing a game or uh, playing the, the sharp side. It's, it's, it's definitely not something where I, I don't want to regularly be with those kinds of Joes that, as I said, they won in that example I mentioned with Kansas City and Denver uh, in the NFL, but every now and again they have to, right? Like, look, you know, to, to, see, to, to explain, to actually answer the question how important it plays in a role, I better have a lot of good reasons and a lot of good 
gut instinct about why I'm betting on it to bet against reverse line movement. Now, however, will I ever play a play just because of reverse line movement? No. But knowing that I like the play for X, Y, and Z, oh, and it happened to move one or two points in my favor is amazing. Obviously, it's better when you bet it and then it moves one or two points in your favor. But like I said, you know, I will bet against reverse line movement every now and then if I really love the play. But I better love it because that is a sign that indicates to me that I'm not on the right side. Now, does the right side always win? Of course not. Otherwise, you know, it, it would be too easy, but it, it, you'll want to be on the right side, and that's the side with Vegas. Like, Let's said. move forward, get to a second question from Jake. He asks, what are your thoughts on live betting? Bill, you go first. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this. I don't spend too much time live betting, to be honest. I know Matt does a lot of it. Um, I like to put my plays out there and just watch them all the way through. If I get a feel, like if I look at a team who I was on the full game line on, and they're shooting an abysmal two for 20 from three, but their their season percentage is over 40. Like like Matt had mentioned before, regression back to the mean. Like It's, it's going to balance itself out. So if they're shooting that poorly in the first half, just because they're getting open looks and not knocking them down, yeah, I'm probably going to jump on their second half and try and make my money back because I know it's going to come back to that average percentage. Um, but other than that, I tend to stay away um, from betting too much live action. Yeah, I'll agree with a lot of what you said, Bill. Here's my thing. When we're handicapping, we're doing this on a Wednesday morning. We're talking about how we think a game is going to play out, and therefore we're going to bet it all you know, pregame lines, either you know, first-half lines or uh, bettable numbers for the full game that are out before the game. So if we're right about that, then there's no reason to you know, pile on with a live bet because if we're right about our pregame handicap, then we're probably going to cash a ticket and go 1-0 and or maybe 2-0 and if we stacked it for the game. And so then if we're wrong, I'm also not going to look to live bet and chase money. Cause I think that's how sometimes your emotions get out of hand and you just start getting a little reckless. So that's the first thing I think just betting pregame and keeping it as what you take pregame is a, a good first step in harnessing your own self-control. And secondly, um, I think a lot of times when we talk about live betting, people like to take favorites that get off to slow starts and, you know, oh, now I have this eight-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm only laying one-and-a-half, you know, and I got standard juice or whatever. Well, if you're waiting for the favorite to start slow to then bet them, why not just bet the dog pregame plus the big number? Like, that's what I think people are so hesitant to do. Uh, and why well, and Greg, I, actually, I, I, I'm going to come right in. I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to answer why that rhetorical question you just asked. Especially in college basketball, I feel like teams can unravel very, very quickly as opposed to, say, NBA, right? So I think a reason why someone might look to live bet a favorite or or second half bet a favorite rather than a dog is that dog might be up. How many times do we see a dog on the road up 10 end up losing the game or, or end up getting blown out? You know, take a slight example yesterday, right? Let's just take one example from yesterday's results. Did you guys catch the West Virginia game? Yeah. So, I, I saw that score, and what was the final? I know Oklahoma so State. You're, you're sitting at plus 10.5. You're up 5 at halftime. You're feeling great. West Virginia comes out and wins the second half by 23 points. Not only you know did they cover the second half, but then they covered the full game line. So right. all of that great work that Oklahoma State played on the in the first half to be up 5 really just went to shit because ultimately the better team ended up winning, you know, 
Obviously, I'm talking about one that worked in my favor. I was on West Virginia second half here because I was like, look, I'm getting a 10.5-point favorite at home, the 17th-ranked team in the country. They need – they're not – I can't afford to lose this game. They got to win this game by four. I loved it. Now, I, I just – Matt, what I'm getting at, though, is like if the idea behind live betting a favorite is, oh, I'm going to get them at a discount, then if you, if you take the dog pregame, then – you can open yourself up for some nice middle opportunities, and the worst that happens is you go one and one. So, yes, that is a great look on it. But if you if you truly, you know, think – if you think that the favorite is going to be down at a certain point, then I wouldn't take the dog just to then potentially middle. Because then what if the favorite just runs away? I just think it's a slippery slope because – of of the of the of the of the unraveling factor in college basketball, we've seen so many times. Understood. You know, in college, kids, the emotions can go all sorts of ways. Collapse. You know, exactly. And, I think it's huge. Just in in NBA, oh Greg, I, I'm so with you, man. I mean, a shitty team can be up by 15 on the Lakers, and then the Lakers yeah. end up winning the game by 15, and there you go. You probably hit four or five middles. But in college basketball, it's a little more unpredictable and a little more streaky. I think. I think it's harder to do. And the last thing I'll say on this is, again, I just feel like it happens so often where people will live bet favorites where, as I said, a favorite eight-point favorite is down at half and they'll live bet the favorite. Well, say an eight-point dog is down by 20 at half. Mathematically, the regression to the mean is the same thing, but you don't see people hopping back on that dog the same way. I just think it's, it's a way that people like to live bet favorites because they think they're getting them cheaper, and sometimes it works, but it's not my style. Well, Greg, I like essentially better. you are getting it cheaper, right? Because you know, if it's a ten and a half point favorite, that he wasn't. West Virginia was a ten and a half point favorite pregame. So now I'm betting on West Virginia live to only win by three and a half points. Now, granted, they've played a full half of right, basketball. But I'm saying but you I, had to get to the point where they were down at half to first. Yeah, but I think we can all agree, right? That like that is just tremendous value to look. We could be sitting here, West Virginia could have easily lost. But I'm saying the fact that you're telling me they have 20 minutes of basketball and I need this team to win by four and a half. Like, what is a five-point lead? What is a, is a five-point lead oh, a listen, lead Matt, college basketball? Second half. I think second half, I think there's a difference there because second half is just half the game. So you don't have overtime even come into play. I think second overtime half. Overtime counts in second half, Greg. I'm sorry? Not all books. Oh, okay. I, I've never played. I've never played anywhere in overtime. Doesn't count second half, but. Oh yeah, I, I my book is just second half. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I've never. I've never. I've never. I've actually never. Never played anywhere that only is second half. I, I mean, nonetheless, I think live has tremendous value because you're also you're watching the game. And you're, it, it depends. Like you said, lives can be very tricky and very dangerous. Your emotions can play a factor. I, I don't love the lives where you're like adding. To your pregame bets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I have, I have a team money line. I don't need to add more to it, right? If I want to double down on the second half, sure. I don't need to add money line. But lives can be valuable for one hedging, maybe for whatever reason you see fit. I like them for middles, like I said. With an injury or, like you said, especially in basketball where we know it's a huge game of runs, where one team can go on an 8-0 run and next team goes on a 12-0 run, you can easily get a middle there. Or I think live betting is also very valuable in these spots, in two different spots, and they're both reverse. In the spots where the favorites are down and you believe that they're going to come back, I think it's also very valuable in the spots where a dog of like five or six points, like last night, for instance, 
Illinois sitting at halftime, their second half line was just to win the game outright. I had a slight feeling Illinois was going to pull the game outright before the hey, game. I'm but assuming you had Illinois plus six and a half, right? But I, but no, I didn't. I waited. I saw the first half. I actually lost on Penn State first half, and I evaluated. I said, look, I, Illinois is going to win this game outright, and I played Illinois in the second half. Now, granted, I think that sometimes people are more inclined to wait on the dog because you can get a better feel. Like at halftime, I was very confident Illinois was going to win the game. Pre-game, I just had this little inclination that Illinois was going to step up and win the game, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, now I'll agree with you there, Matt. Like if you want to actually – Get a feel for how the game's going, and that's where your advantage comes live? Sure. But what I was getting at is, and what I don't like, is, oh, uh, dog is out of the gate in a football game, 7 uh, lot Favorite hasn't, offense hasn't even stepped on the field. Live bet favorite. Like, that to me is reckless, and I don't like that. Yeah, no, I think, I, I, you know, look, if, if you're betting a live play in, like, the first 10 minutes, unless you saw, like, someone get injured or whatnot, um, but even then, sometimes it, it, it doesn't always matter because remember, the next man up for for these college a little more, but NBA it, it doesn't matter as much as you think when when someone goes down because remember those guys are all pros and and any of them can go off in any single yeah. game. So I guess the consensus here, Bill and I, not huge on the live betting. I'll do it. If I want a middle, Matt, I guess you seem to be more in the live betting camp than the two of us. I'm, I'm way more on second half betting. Let me just make that clear. Second sure. half, which you can call live or second half. It's very similar, obviously. Uh, I, I tuned down the live betting, just honestly, because it's And I'm with you more. I, I like second half a lot more. It's hard for people to follow the live betting. So I've actually tuned down the live betting straight from just uh, – uh, follower feedback. It's tough. The second half's obviously easier. It's up for about 10 or 15 minutes. You know, and live lines is tough. Like, I, you know, I snag a live line. All of a sudden, a team makes a three and a turnover. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you missed, a, you missed a number or something. Exactly. So I prefer second halves. I think it's a more professional way to be putting out my plays. So I've limited the live plays. I think live plays are very good for, say, a primetime NFL game, right? You're not watching any other game. You're watching the Sunday night football, and it's a commercial. Everyone has that same live line at that sure. exact moment. That's a great time for live line. Basketball, when there's 50-plus games on, NHL, NBA, uh, college baseball, college, women's college softball, when there's all these sports, people are doing shit during the week. Uh, live bets are tough, but primetime games, big games, playoff games, live lines definitely present value. That's going to just about wrap things up. want to thank our guys that sent in questions. We'll get to more on next week's edition of Full Slate. Uh, Bill, Matt, always good to chat. We'll do it again. Good luck tonight, boys. Can't wait. Best of luck to everyone out there as well. Bill, I really am looking for Louisville to be up by six and then to lose the game outright. I would, I would love nothing more than that. And we'll definitely look and to make Greg, our bets on the future for uh, – Look for the future for Big East teams in the Elite Eight. Look for our Twitter accounts. Me and Matt will put I, something I, out there against I, each other. Oh, hey, I, I, well, I, I was going to say, I want in on that. I think there's a <laughs> to get there. So, wait, I just need a, I need a singular question, Greg. Is your Elite Eight pick then Seton Hall? Because they're the best team in the Big East. So, if you think one makes well, it, it's got to be them, right? See, I don't like th- – that's where I'll disagree. Oh, okay. I just, I just want to make sure. Because – no, but, like, I don't like when people say – What's your final four? And it's like January. Well, I don't know what the bracket's going to be. Like, I have no idea what the draw is going to be. Like, maybe Butler gets to the Elite Eight. Like, maybe they get a good draw. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. All I about matchups. It's good I'll, enough I'll be where somebody will that get. And I'll, be, I'll be here the first one to apologize if Butler makes his all the way to the Elite Eight. 
I, I'm just saying the league's deep. Brad Stevens is in Boston, Greg. He's in Boston. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we'll we're going to be keeping an eye on this over the next month. Big East team to the Elite Eight. Greg, everybody Greg, enjoy the, first, the rest. That's of the your first week. coach he. That's the first coach he's ever named dropped for college basketball. So enjoy it. Oh, Naka <laughs> Smart, Texas. <laughs> I missed the Big East name. He's in, he was in Brad Stevens. He's not there. It's the only one he knew. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who's their coach now? Um, I got Petty Hardaway for Memphis. Jawan Howard, Michigan. Come on, I know some guys. <laughs> Let's go. Well, uh, Bruce Pearl or what is it? Pearl for Auburn? He's good. I like there you him. Go. And I like his sweat jacket and everything. All right, till the end, boys. Best of luck tonight. Um, let's 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 print money. Everybody have fun. Please play responsibly. We'll talk to you later.